Welcome to Self-Directed. We are your hosts, Cecilia and Jesper Conrad. And now it's time to welcome this week's guest. Today we are together with uh, Robin Coburn. So, this unschooling thing, how did that happen for you? Oh, well, my daughter is now 24 years old. When I were going to have our baby, we're pregnant, we already knew that we wanted to homeschool, but we had not discovered unschooling. And I'm one of these people that likes to research a lot. So I started reading as much as I could. And when I first read about unschooling, I had probably a very common reaction. And I immediately said, oh, these people are crazy. But uh, I did continue to read all kinds of other things. And this was back in the days when most of the online was either AOL message boards or, or really message boards. I said to my husband, look, this thing that I thought was crazy, this unschooling thing, it sounds really wonderful. And to my astonishment, he was like, oh, yes, of course. I wish I had done that. If my parents had been able to do that with me, it would have been fantastic. And he's completely right about that. We had made a decision very early on that we didn't want to make the same mistakes that our parents had made with us. We had a framework of how we didn't want to parent in terms of being, we wanted to be mindful parents. We didn't want to be punishing parents. We didn't want our child to have a relationship that was fear-based with us. We didn't want to have the same kind of authoritarian fear-based relationship with our child that we had with our own parents in slightly different ways. Your story reminds me of when we started our journey on the first homeschooling and later unschooling world, that meeting the the other parents uh, were angering in some way that you that you you didn't feel you was weird in the same way where you had some of the thoughts you had before. Maybe you was like, is this weird to go do all these things? Then you met actual people doing it. And later on, we became the people inviting people into our home and saying, <laughs> hey, we, we have a meetup and and come and, and join. When Jane was, was about three and four years old, we would go to different parks all around the, the general area. Um, and... It was wonderful. It was a brand new group that was started by another homeschooling family who I would describe them as eclectic. They still did did classes at home, but they were very kind of relaxed. And all the moms were very relaxed. But I was the lunatic unschooler in the group. I was the only one who actually identified as an unschooler. And I know that Sandra always says, you can't really call yourself an unschooler until your child hits mandatory school enrollment age and then you can start saying it but I had to because a lot of the people in the group were doing things like what curriculum are you planning to use are you doing any early reading uh, stuff and it was just rather than just keep on having to say no 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 all the time I just said well where I'm schooling so then people stop asking me questions unless they wanted to know more about unschooling, which occasionally happened. Wonderful. Robin, uh, one of the things I find fascinating as a parent of self-directed kids is the personal developments uh, we go through ourselves as parents. The door it opens to looking back at how your own life has been and and, uh, how you grow as a, a person. I believe you, of course, as just being a parent grow. 
So it's not that you can only grow if you have settled or erected or unschooled kids, but um, can you pinpoint some areas in your life where you have grown as a person due to choosing this um, educational choice for your children or this lifestyle? Mm, yes, let me think for a second. Oh. I actually wrote something about this a long time ago where I wrote that I had been given a child by the universe who specifically challenged me. I was kind of rigid and controlling of my time and what I wanted to do. And I was given a child who refused to be controlled in any way and would push against it by her temper. And I had to realize the biggest change was that I wasn't going to be in charge of her life. She was going to be in charge of her life. And I'm so glad that I had found unschooling before before these things created conflict and problems and then had to come to unschooling as a solution for disaster, which I know yeah. some people do, and thank goodness there is that there. But I was already in that, so I had already had changed my own mindset to being open to what was needed and to finding a solution. What I got instead was uh, the, this very close relationship. And I think it helped me to perhaps be a better wife to my husband, who would have been a perfect unschooling kid because it, he was so interested in so many wild and wacky things that didn't necessarily go together. And, and had he been supported as a child in pursuing them the way we do with our unschooling, children's interest um well we probably never would have met because he would have been in a different life but see that as it may um and so it made me more willing to not be the boss of everything that helped me let go of being in control of other people which you never really are but you sometimes believe you are and we moved away from this reactive saying that we were doing something different from how our parents were. We were doing like they did that, let's do the opposite. We moved away from that, and especially me. I moved away from that and moved into a more proactive where we're following this path, we're engaging in these behaviors. We have this these ideas about parenting because they're better ideas for a positive reason rather than a react reaction to negative reason. And um I think it made me a lot more patient. Our podcast is available on all the normal listening platforms, but also on uh, YouTube. And people will uh, have heard your last name, Coburn, and seeing uh, a book behind you as well. So I think it would trigger people's curiosities. So you've written a book. Let's yes, talk a I, little about it. I started really writing this in 18 and. This is the biography of Jane's grandfather, my husband's father, the Oscar-winning actor James Coburn from um, from the 1960s and 70s with his heyday, but he earned his Oscar in 1998, and that's it there, the supporting actor for the film Affliction, and my husband inherited it when James Coburn passed away, and he and his wife Paula had created a foundation to distribute his estate to various charities. One of the things the foundation was, was supposed to do was uh, create his biography. And he had started doing his own memoirs 
by recording. He was being interviewed by by a friend and, and they had conversations and there was about 40 hours of him re- being recording. Unfortunately, he passed away before he really finished. Uh, yeah. And then they kind of sat in a box. It was really weighing on the mind of Paula's friend, Linda Urkelishan. This was one of the last things that she had like promised Paula, who also unfortunately died the, like the following year. This book was not getting done and we had all this material stacked up. So I said, I'll have a go at it. I wrote a um, couple of sample chapters and they were terrible, but she gave me some great feedback. So I wrote a next one and then it all worked out really well. Robin, I would like to go back to the unschooling also. And when you go back and and look, what are the things you would have loved to know uh, when you started out? So um, one of the things that I was lucky was that I had so many people who were ahead of me on the journey, even if it was just a few years. For example, Pam, one of her daughters, it seemed like one of her daughters had a very similar temperament to Jane. Now, her situation was different because she was raising three children, but the middle daughter had a lot of similarities. So when she would tell stories, so I could see in a few years. And that's the beauty of going to a conference because your your child might be five or six, but then you're seeing the eight and nine-year-olds, those little girls in their posses running around. You're seeing the young teenagers. You're seeing the older teens and the young adults. And you see they were at this point back then, and this is where this is their future, and you could see it in front of you. So it gives a lot of confidence. Um, The thing that most new unschoolers have to get over, I think, is this notion that somehow they're different, that their family is special and different. No, you're not. I mean, you are everybody in the sense that everybody has their special gifts, but the situation within the overarching world, you're not any different. You're going through the same thing that everyone else has been through or at least someone else has been through in the past, and that this future is still there for you. This is what you can keep unschooling, stick to your guns through the times when your kids are are challenging for whatever reason, and do what unschoolers do, which is invest vast amounts of energy into solving those problems compared to regular parenting. That's what it's time and energy. That's that's all it is. There were moments when if, if our relationship was stressful for temperament reasons or stressful because people worry, is she ever going to learn to read? She magically went from not apparently not reading to one day opening a technical manual for a computer program and reading it aloud to me when she was, I want to say, nine or somewhere between nine and 11, just reading it aloud, this incredibly complex language. And I didn't know she could read at all. My jaw dropped. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Cecilia. We're interrupting our own podcast just to make sure that you know that I am available if you want to talk to someone who has lived the unschooling life, who has traveled the world, who has beat cancer, who has been the mother of four amazing children. Luckily, I still am the mother of four amazing children. I know about life when it's hard. I know about life when it's complicated. I know what you need is probably most of all someone who will understand the special world that you are in as an unschooling parent. Even with your trauma and your personal history getting in the way, what I do really is to be a loving support, a rock 
And I do it on the base that I am a trained psychologist. I have worked with a lot of people with a lot of different situations. I am so ready to be your support, the one that you need to get some confidence and be strong in your journey as an unschooling parent. So don't hold back. I give a 20-minute conversation for free. You can talk to me on the phone or in a video call and just see if it's a match. If you want to connect, you can find me on social media or find me on my website, ceciliaconrad.com. If you're a Danish speaker, I have a Danish website, ceciliaconrad.dk, and we can find those 20 minutes and see how it goes from there. And now back to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so here's here's the secret. If you're worried about that, don't. They will learn. All it all it takes is a text-rich environment, which is very easy, especially in the modern world, because you don't have to go outside in the signage. She could spot a Barbie sign from the age of four at three miles away. Uh, but what what you have to remember is this: this is the secret about reading. Unschooled children will apparently magically learn to read material that is at the level of their spoken language, primarily English, if it's English, but whatever the language is. They will not, if you're looking for the school structure of you start with these baby books and you move through the ever-increasing vocabulary, that's not how it happens in unschooling. It's at the level of their spoken language, which is why... I believe um, Sandra's daughter Holly's first book was a Stephen King novel. She was that was the level of her spoken language that she just started reading. So that that's the thing. That that's where if you let go of this this notion that they can't even read a baby book. Well, that's because they don't want to read a baby book from the, by the time that they're eight or nine or ten or eleven. Um, then. The other thing is that it can happen, it happens silently in their head when they're not looking. But the best, best advice, oh gosh. There I had I had um, my my most recent fear, let me just say this. I'll come back to the best advice in a second. My most recent fear as Jane was becoming a young adult, first was that she would would not be able to sit still long enough to study something or that her sleep schedule would interfere with her being able to, for example, go to college if she wanted to go to college. There are things she wanted wants to do that were um, she didn't really necessarily need college for, but she was very interested in filmmaking and um, working in film. But she so she decided to go to college with my at my husband's school where he teaches. She and she was able to not only do that, not only be in class, she was she was in a class with master's degree students, and she's basically standing over there now. So if she's going to hear me, no, she's not. She's got to hear about it. That's good. She was basically holding her own and even leading because they all asked her to produce their projects. These these people who were a a lot older, b already qualified with the degrees because the master's degree is a higher degree, and she was just had no no fears about engaging with these people because she'd been engaging with such a range of people her whole life from other her own peers of her own age to adults all the time 
and ended up graduating um, summa cum laude. I'm falling back into the old programming of valuing more than I should be this kind of learning. Yeah. It's so easy to do, right? But so at the same time, it also shows me that she is able to adapt herself to whatever she wants to learn about and then came out of it knowing all this computer stuff and how to do graphics and uh, all kinds of um, file work that's it, just amazing to me. But I think she also knew a lot of it already. But it, it, anyone who has fears about their their unschoolers growing up and being, you know, too weird for the public or not being able to interact with, with other people or interact in other situations. I can only say just have faith and wait because even if it seems like it's taking a long time, all of those things come to pass. Uh, and in terms of how do you do unschooling, first focus on parenting, focus on being a mindful parent, focus on the relationship. Ask yourself, if is what I'm about to say going to enhance our relationship or or, or um, cut it away? Uh, if, if, is, it, is it a rock that I'm sculpting or am I throwing clay onto it? I, I don't know, neither of those things. But the relationship is the core of it. So... And, and if you are having a fear, it's your fear. You can own it and take a deep breath and go away and talk to some other unschooling moms about it or dads, but don't put it on your kid to make them change, to try and say, you know, you have to change to to help me with my fear. But uh, the thing I've been thinking about most recently is um, an idea that I, I actually spoke about at the last uh, Life is Good conference. The way to unschool is very simple, and it's this. It's help your kid do what they want to do. So it's help. Think about what help means. It doesn't mean taking over. It doesn't mean it means find out what they need. So you're helping them. And it's do. Stop worrying about what they're learning. What, am I, what are we going to learn about today? No, don't worry about that. What do they want to do? The learning happens as a side effect. That's, that's something Joyce said. The, the, what they want to do, it's what they want. And it might be that it's something extraordinary. It might be that they're following you into the family business, which, yeah, James and I can't help being happy when she wants to work on movies, you know, because we're movie makers. So that, that there's, it's what they want to do. And it's really is do engage with their activities, what they want to make, what they want to do, and not worry about the future because it will come regardless and it, you can take care of yourself. So coming from that idea, help your kids do what they want to do, I started thinking about what, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a cough for a second. <clears throat> right, 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 I can fix it. So in thinking about help your kids do what they want to do, I started thinking about what the standard parenting paradigm and the standard parenting paradigm, which young schoolers are turning their back on. The standard parenting paradigm is how do I get my kid to do what I want them to do? How do I get them, make them, force them, 
persuade them, get them to do what I want them to do and not do what I don't want them to do. That is the first thing that comes into people's minds. That is how most of us in the entire world, most of us have been parented, whether it's gently or harshly, hopefully not harshly, but unfortunately, this is the real world, is that that's the thinking that informs the interaction. Whereas unschoolers, how do I help my kid do what they want to do? It takes away the the negativity. But if if when you're first coming to unschooling and somebody is talking about learning something that is challenging, people always worry about the thing that was challenging for them in school, which unfortunately is often math. Every now and then someone will say something out of left field. It feels like to me, left field, how will they learn history? But I guess you had trouble with history as a kid. But I mean, that's the easiest thing to learn about really, especially mm. in today's world. But people have a have whatever they might say. And unfortunately it is often mostly math. It's usually it's a math or learn to read. And some that people therefore and you say, well, you just provide them with, for example, kids and our rods to play with. Don't but and it's like, but how do I make them use them properly? They'll come that that parenting paradigm will still be in their head. It's like there is no properly. You don't make them do anything. You provide yeah. options and ideas. And they see you using math in your daily life, such as um, when you're paying bills, but don't turn it into a lesson. Read John Holt on How Children Fail. I love How Children Fail ahead of How Children Learn because How Children Fail is the secret to that book is it's not the children failing. It's the parents and teachers failing. Mm. And so... So again, standing on the shoulders of giants, I felt like I had so many resources available to me. Wonderful thing. There's um, that uh, how to talk so your kids will listen and listen so your kids will talk, but for supposedly about parenting teenagers. Read that when your kids are seven and eight. Don't wait till they're teenagers and you're sitting there going, what's going on with my kid? Where's that pleasant, open, nice child that I used to know? except I never had that. <laughs> I sort of never stopped communicating. Poor thing. She had nothing to rebel against. No. So she didn't it, it is time to, to round up the podcast. And I, I really love what you said about uh, the shift in parenting to see how you can help the children do what they want to do instead of how do I get my kids to do whatever I feel like. And it, it's a... It sounds simple, but it is a big shift to have in parenting. So uh, I'm very grateful for that. Um, it has been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, if people want to get to know where they can uh, read your book or more about you, do you have a website where people can reach you? Uh, yes, actually, uh, in terms of my unschooling writing, Sandra keeps most of it on her website still. Yeah. Um, and about this book, it's called uh, Dervish Dust, The Life and Words of James Coburn. And if you go to dervishdust.com, dervish like a whirling dervish, dervishdust.com, you will find a discount code to purchase it direct from the publisher. It's also available from Amazon. And um, you might even find it in a bookstore. And then my own 
writing business. I write on Substack a lot, but uh, my business, I do, I write resumes and uh, cover letters for people in the entertainment industry, but I also write resumes a lot for unschoolers. Uh, you can go to workinproduction.com to find out how to reach me. That's probably the easiest way to reach me is workinproduction.com. And I work, I've worked a lot with various unschooling moms returning to the workforce after a number of years unschooling their kids, being out of the Perfect. workforce. So, uh, Robin, thanks a lot for your time. It was a pleasure hanging out together with you. Well, I'll have to go back and listen to the rest of your podcasts. I started looking at your presence when I knew I was going to be speaking to you, and you're living the life I thought I wanted of traveling, but I don't think Jane could deal with this much traveling. Yeah. James and I are still looking at this sort of thing and thinking, oh, when we retire, maybe we can do more of that kind of thing. Traveling you could get a van and travel the, the world. It's, it is quite fun to do. But <laughs> yes, well, Robin, thanks a lot for your time. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you liked it, then please share it with all your friends and family. We would also love it if you gave our podcast a review. Thanks. And if you want to support our podcast and work, then you can find us on patreon.com slash the Conrad family. We will continue to travel full time. And if you want to tag along, then please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Conrad family. And you can also read more than 100 blog posts on our website, theconrad.family. Until next time, make a wonderful day. Thank you.